The Sons of Saturday podcast is brought to you by our friends at Main Street Pharmacy. Located right on Main Street in Blacksburg, Virginia, Main Street Pharmacy is proudly owned by a Hokie family and has been a partner of this podcast since 2020. MSP offers free delivery, curbside pickup, and vaccinations as well. If you are a student or resident in the Blacksburg area, you can always trust that at Main Street Pharmacy, you are not just a number, you are a neighbor. It's Sunday, September 24th. I had a horrible weekend. A horrible, like beginning to end, horrible weekend. And we're going to talk about this football game, which was upsetting. Um, But look, we're in this together. Virginia Tech lost to Marshall 24 to 17. And before we get started, I I guess I'll just, I'll just let you know how my weekend went. Um. So I go on a run Saturday morning. I always run before the Hokies play. It's part of my tradition. Um, call Pat. Hey, fired up for the game. Hope everything's well. Go on my run. And as most of you know, I did move to, to Midtown Atlanta. And I finished my run. And I'm, I'm running by my truck, which is parked a couple of blocks away. And I'm like, oh, I left my back right window open. That's horrible. Someone probably got into my car, but I'll get my keys and go close it. Nope. Window smashed. Stuff's everywhere, uh, on the ground, all over the place. There's glass all over the place. Police reports left of my thing. So that sucks. Um, go to watch the game. Game happens. Um, and then my car got broken into this morning again. So twice in a row. Um, will not be parking in Midtown anymore, um, but will continue to watch the Hokies. Um, but, but that's my weekend. Pat, how are you, man? Did you have a better weekend than that? I was going to say, Billy Ray, it sounds like you need to control the controllables and you don't have to watch the Hokies. <laughs> um, we have had a slew of Hokie haiku submissions this week. So thank you to everybody. Um, it's the gift that keeps on giving. So uh, Pat and I are doing some some splitting up the responsibilities here, Pat. But why don't you kick us off with uh, with some poetry before we get into this football game? Thank you all for these submissions. The first double H hails from Roanoke, Virginia. Grady Baker, Johnny on the spot. Too many issues. Longer rebuild than we hoped. Shades of early Frank. And then we go to Pete McGee. Pete, I I feel like I know where you live, but I I don't. I'm not confident enough to to go ahead and guess. So I'm sorry. Offense ran and hid, losing enthusiasm fast. That's eight syllables. Big plays, strike again. Bijan Peters, <laughs> hailing from Arlington. It's so funny that we get more poetry when we lose. It is kind of funny. I, I, I feel like if I feel like when we lose, the last thing you want to do is write a poem. But we get so much more poems in the weeks that we lose. A lot of engagement on um, our uh, on our post post loss tweets uh, prior to the post loss pod. Bijan says seven years ago, 
Pat was crowned homecoming king. I miss winning games. It was a beautiful September afternoon. We throttled East Carolina. Throttled. That was awesome. Cam Phillips had like, what do you have, like 280 yards receiving? He had like 60. No, that was the other UCU game. Oh, sorry. I've got my my beating group of five teams uh, in the past mixed up. Um, If only. That was the uh, Greg Stroman punt return and Gerard uh, Evans psycho touchdown. That's right. Tom Wormy on the call. Gerard Evans. Gerard Evans. Uh, Riley Wyatt. Where's she from? Richmond, Virginia. NBC 29. This is very bad. Did not think it could get worse. What do we do now? We're about to discuss that. Uh, and then big Virginia tech guy that could come from me. That could come from you. That could probably come from a lot of our listeners, but he reserved that spot. Big Virginia tech guy. Hope is fading fast. The Hokies lose to Marshall. Bring on women's hoops. I'm so glad you brought that up. When we were walking out of Marshall after the Rutgers game, I told everybody that was listening, we will be back. We are coming back here in a few months, and our women's basketball team is going to run circles around you guys. So, yes, can confirm, fired up for women's basketball season. Pat, we did secure our tickets to watch uh, the Queens of Castle take on um, Caitlin Clark, a spectacle in the Queen City. Looking forward to that. We got to stop delaying the inevitable. Uh, We do have to talk about this football game, and we're going to do that right now. So, where did we watch? I want to shout out Allison Elkins and everybody from the Atlanta, the Atlanta Hokies who did such an incredible job. Uh, We had a short timeline. Uh, I heard from David Wilson and he goes, Hey, I want to watch the game with some Hokies. How do we do that? I said, okay, let me, let me call Allison. So Allison sets it up. We go to the poor house. I think it's called the poor house in, um, in West Midtown over by the interlock. So after I went to go get my car taped up, headed down there and we had a great turnout probably had they said it was the biggest turnout they've had in years really really cool spot they give you a little wristband you scan it you can go up and self-serve yourself wine you can serve yourself uh craft beer regular beer mixed drinks whatever you want a lot of tvs um and then david wilson he had a bunch of david wilson stories but I'll, i'll save i'll save some of them for later and do some now so he says hey my friend's pulling up i said oh that's cool who, who is it? He goes, my friend Ruben. So in my head, I'm already thinking like, okay, this is probably Ruben Randall. They were drafted together. He played at LSU, played in the NFL for a while, played for the Giants. He goes, yeah, he played at such and such high school. His name's Ruben. I said, do you mean the guy that also played at LSU and also played for the Giants? He goes, yeah, yeah, that's him. I was like, why would you lead with <laughs> where he went to high school? Hi, I'm Billy Ray Mitchell. I went to Kettler Elementary School. That would be like me introducing myself that way. Um, but Ruben Randall, great guy, uh, and a great turnout. I loved it. David Wilson did a backflip. Um, but, uh, no, really, you had, I had a great time with friends. Um, can, actually, Pat, can you pull this up? Can you pull up the, the text that we got from Courtney Adams about, uh, what, oh. what college sports are about? And it's a shame, but this is kind of where we are right now. Uh, Courtney Adams, a good friend of the podcast. She sent in this tweet. Which I think encapsulates formerly. Here we are. Formerly Courtney Adams. That's Courtney right. Courtney Adams Yetzi. That's right. CAI. Hailing 
from Chapel Hill, North mm-hmm. Carolina. I think a lot of people think the point of sports is that your team will win and then you will be happy. That is not the point of sports. The point of sports is to be sad in a group. Nothing brings you together like tough times. And tough times are what we are in. Pat, what did you uh, you do for the game, buddy? My good friends, Joshua Little, a.k.a. Jay Litt. Litsky! And Sheltone Moss came over. We watched it on my couch. Great time watching on the couch. Hadn't watched a tech game on the couch in a long time. And uh, followed by some Selwyn Pub pizza. Watched the rest of the games there. But, uh, you know, apologies to Shelton and Jay Litt. Got, you know, I was getting angry, getting fired up. You know, using some profane language at times. So uh, it, it was like that yesterday. Let's uh, let's dive into Sons of Stats, uh, making its illustrious return for the second time in 2023. Um, Pat, what do you got for me? So his name was not uh, Naheem Aleen. His name was Rasheen Ali of Marshall. And he ran for 174 yards and two touchdown scores. I believe he had a long of 56 uh, for a touchdown. Virginia Tech, here's a statistic for you. Virginia Tech has the number two ranked pass defense in the United States of America. They also have the 125th ranked rush defense in America. They give up 218 rushing yards per game. And we haven't played any. Hudson Card is a good quarterback. Um, but you know the the quarterbacks of Old Dominion, Rutgers, and Marshall are all you know a- engineering on run first offenses to begin with. I completely agree. Um, yeah. yeah, I think I think you got to take the. It's something to hang your hat on, um, but you know, no, given, it isn't. <laughs> it's yeah, it's right. a total it's joke. Right. It's yeah. a total joke. We it, are kidding. It, this is not the spins of Saturday. <laughs> We are getting absolutely gashed on the run on the run game, and teams are not, you know, they don't need to pass the ball. So, ergo, um, they don't pass for that many yards. Um, I will say, uh, if you take away, this was from Mike McDaniel. If you take away Ali's long run, it was twenty six carries for one hundred thirteen yards and one touchdown. I get you can't take it away, but you know, I think Feldarius Payne made a little bit of a difference. We're going to talk about him a little bit later. I saved my stats for a, uh, a new segment coming up later. So I'll let you, I'll let you give the rest of your stats. Andy Bitter says the Hokies average 6.1 yards per carry at Marshall on just 30 carries in the 35 times since 1987, Virginia tech has averaged at least six yards per carry in a game that number of 30 carries is the third fewest carries it has had. Oh, so you're telling me that a historically awful rushing offense from Virginia Tech that had 11 rushing yards against Purdue is averaging 6.1 yards per carry, and most of that came in the first half, and we did not continue to run the ball, and we did not have more than 30 carries? More stats. Kyron Drones, 19 of 35 for 160 and ran for 75 yards and two touchdowns. 
Hey, can I give some props? Can I give some props? This dude has been at, it's his second time starting in college football. He is, I mean, snap to guy in other uniform in your face trying to kill you is like 1.2 seconds. Um, and I have to say, I, I've been impressed by his his ability to kind of, you know, I don't want to take a, a word from uh, Seth Greenberg, but I will because he was really nice to the uh, basketball team. He's done a really good job making chicken salad out of chicken shit a couple of times. Like he, the hand that he has dealt pre-snap and as soon as the ball is snapped is usually terrible. Um, and he's able to figure something out. So uh, I, I do believe a tip of the cap is in is in order for uh, for Kyron Drones. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about it. The turnover battle statistics. We won the turnover battle and lost the game. I was surprised, actually, because um, I thought we had either lost the turnover battle or it was even. Then you go back and you're like, wait a second, we actually won the turnover battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kelly Lawson had the pick early, and then Keonta Jenkins had the interception as well. Um, okay, let's talk about the good. How are the sons of Saturday going to spin this loss into a positive? Billy Ray, kick us off. <laughs> I love, I love that you're leaning into the bit, Pat. I love, I love that you're leaning into the bit because there are a lot of people listening right now saying, "Here comes all the spins." But here are a couple of things that uh, that I did like. Great start. I mean, I sit down in my chair and I'm watching the game, and I say, "Whoa, who, who is this?" Who is this football team running it down Marshall's throats? Who is this? First drive, six plays, 75 yards and a touchdown. Um, Three runs in that drive. We had 64 yards. I mean, let's go. Looked awesome. And then we completely went away from the run. Um, And then the last four Marshall drives, not including their kneel down, the defense held them to a turnover. We had an interception, three and out, three and out, and a punt. Virginia Tech was only able to score once in that uh, in that grouping right there, but and they, and they, I mean, they were playing pretty conservative. They they were playing pretty well. conservative, but I mean, Coach Pry talks about this in his post game press conference. Like, we're not the type of team that can come back from multiple scores down. We said that with Mike Holmes last week. It's just not the type of offense that we are. Um, and it was extremely encouraging for Virginia Tech to jump out and score. Yes, their first ever first quarter touchdown this season it's the second time this year that we have scored in the first quarter the only other time that we scored in the first quarter was when the old dominion when the old dominion long snappers snapped the ball 90 feet over the punter's head um and um that's what i have for the good um patrick I have uh, individual performances that we'd be remiss if we didn't compliment the play of Basial Tootin yesterday. Again. Now, here's the problem, though. He had nine carries. Nine carries, 88 yards. Okay, nine carries, 88 yards. I look at that and I say, wait a second. That's almost 10 yards per carry. Long of 49. And guess what? Basial Tootin. Five catches, 45 yards. What were we saying on the preview? We need to involve Basial Tootin in the passing game. And we did. And guess what? He was effective because Basial Tootin is the best player on our offense, without a doubt. 
And for him to only get 14 touches today, yesterday, <laughs> feed my man, Basil Tutin. He's a dangerous man with the ball in his hands. I, I got to say, I think Basil Tutin would be an impact player at, I think, every ACC school. I think he's. I think he is a a really, really solid, smart football player, and um, I, I I hate to see that he's not. I'm not going to say that it reminds me 100 of Khalil Herbert, but he reminds me of Khalil Herbert in the fact that I think that he could play or start at so many other schools and be effective. Unfortunately. What he is not benefiting from that Khalil Herbert benefited from is there were three or four offensive linemen that played or got a shot in the NFL in the offensive line when Khalil Herbert was here. Basil Tutin is having to make two or three people miss in the backfield to get three or four yards. Um, so, yeah, it's just it's just it, it's it's been a shame thus far. The Gosnell brothers have got hands. Benji, four receptions, 52 yards. Steven Gosnell made the best catch of the day. I think it was his first catch of the day. Uh, going out and laying out and getting it. Three receptions for 31 yards. Uh, more on Kyron Drones. The guy just gives us an opportunity to, to be less than one-dimensional. Yeah. Which clearly we had no opportunity to run the football. It's completely absent mm -hmm. with Grant Wells. And we ran for 184 yards yesterday. Yeah, which is the most we ran for all year. Again, we ran for 11 rushing yards against Purdue. Mm -hmm. And Drones had 75 of those yards yesterday. Uh, kind of expanding on his ability to make plays when there really isn't anything there. On the fourth and three, the last drive uh, to extend it, he had that dump off to Tootin, which was a great play. Um, again, pressure in his face immediately. Was able to find Tootin and get that first down. And then the opening touchdown, really nice play. Hit the middle of the uh, hit the hole right in the middle. Was able to bounce outside. Great vision. Get into the end zone. Break a tackle and stay in bounds. So, um, you know, that was nice. That was nice. That was tight. Feldarius Pan or Feldarius Payne had the best game of his Virginia Tech career on Saturday. Looked fantastic. Uh, he had one and a half sacks. Two tackles for loss. Uh, just an impact player. We, we've been having struggles in the interior defensive line this year. Uh, we have experience there, but they have not necessarily been impact players at all. And Feldarius uh, Payne, number zero, got it done. And then generally, uh, not necessarily what you want on a good takeaway but uh, there are young guys that are getting experience. And these are young guys with talent because, you know, we have, we have, there's certainly a talent gap in some areas on the field. Um, but some of these young guys who are fresh, retro freshmen or true freshmen getting out there and making an impact. Most Phillips had five tackles on Saturday. Caleb Woodson, you know, will be well on his way to being a veteran of a team of this team next year when he is a true sophomore. Um, George Balance, who, you know, frankly, I don't know that much about. He played football yesterday, uh, and I know he's a true freshman. Dante Lovett uh, getting a lot of reps. Keyshawn Burgos, obviously, uh, on the edge as well. But, I mean, you know, 
If we're if we're pulling positives here, getting young guys' experience is important, uh, especially when it is young, talented guys. Now, bad. There's a lot, a lot yeah. of bad. We tried to give you some stuff to get to get fired up about um, Sons of Smiles, but we'll uh, we'll flip the page. I mean, I know there's one critique of of, of Kyron Drones, and I don't even think it's really necessarily his fault. Um, uh, you know. Goodwill hunting style. It's not your fault. Um, but what, what do you have on drones? Yeah, I already said, you know, we got away from running the ball, which was so effective in the first half. But why are we dropping back drones as if he's just a pocket passer? You know, he ran for 75 yards and two touchdowns. We know that that's when he's able to get out of the pocket. That's when he is most dangerous. The entirety of the second half, he was dropping back and he would have one one read. And if he didn't have the read, he would have to scramble out and just toss it out of bounds, which, you know, it seems like happened a half dozen times yesterday. Um, now, with Pop Watson being out, if Pop Watson is our true, you know, third string guy, but yesterday with Grant Wells being out, Pop Watson de facto is your backup. But since you don't have Pop Watson, is that why we're we're not rolling drones out to the right or rolling him out to the left? Because we want to keep him keep him healthy and keep him in the game because we don't have much behind drones. I don't understand, but that might be the only theory in regards to why we are not, you know, running him to his strengths. Did you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I just I, I hope that's not the situation because it's not just a quarterback problem. It's pretty much the entire roster. We're so thin everywhere. It's not, you know, we're thin at quarterback. We're thin at offensive line. We're basically thin across the board. And, you know, if Kyron Drones being a factor in the run game gives us the best opportunity to win the football game, you kind of just got to you kind of just got to roll with it. Um, so I, I didn't really understand that. Talking about some of you know the other things to, to talk through. Is just the defense continuing to lack gap integrity? Um, you know, I know we talked about them a lot last game. Uh, they've been talked a lot about on the internet, but the the linebacking core really, really confuses me. Um, they, I don't really know what their keys are. It looks very much like they're reacting in in real time. Uh, the one play that really jumped off the screen to me was the Rasheen Ali touchdown uh both linebackers ended up filling the same gap outside the tackle to meet the puller um and also following the motion marshall did a great job uh with window dressing and motion and kind of affecting our alignment uh that was one of the plays that did it you know ali hit his spot and it's off to the races um and we knew he was a home run hitter we knew that we were going to have to be really really gap sound um and we just were not um i, I mean we have we have multiple guys coaching the linebacker position. And it just, as far as, you know, knowing what you're doing and knowing where your keys are and knowing where to be, I, I think that's an area that we really struggle in. Um, another thing that I said was, or another thing that I saw was we just got big dogged. I mean, you know, you look at Marshall and you look at their three touchdown drives, you got nine plays for 78 yards, touchdown, six plays for 75 yards, touchdown, and then the backbreaker, the absolute crusher, seven plays for 98 yards touchdown. Um, just walking you down the field over and over and over again. Um, penalties and discipline. I mean, this is a problem that I thought we did a pretty good job 
mitigating through the first three games. Last year was a penalty fest. It seemed like we were one of the most penalized teams in the country that reared its ugly head again this uh, this week. Nine penalties for 70 yards. I believe five or six of those penalties came before the ball was even snapped. You're looking at pre-snap penalties. Um, we've gone back and forth on this call. The Dorian Strong pass interference on third and six on the Marshall six, which sparked the 98-yard touchdown drive in the second half. Um, personally, I think it's pass interference. You do not. Um, but the one that's not up for discussion at all is uh, you had Bob Schick jump off sides on fourth and one on the last drive. You make it fourth and six. Out of a timeout. Out of a timeout. And what they did, uh, Marshall, who they kind of took a bu- uh, a play out of the Bud Foster Coach Wiles book where, you know, you line up, everything's quiet, and then you immediately shift and you basically get one of the offensive linemen on, uh, on Virginia Tech to jump off sides and and that's what happens. Um, it's just uh, the thing I was going to talk about this later. It just seems like there are plays that are made on defense for stretches, but then the offense can't move the football. Then the offense moves the football and the defense gets completely gashed or, you know, special teams will look like it's not, not know what it's doing. We're, we're incapable of playing sound football on all phases during the same time. Um, and I'm not really sure what to chalk, to chalk that up to, um, and third down, which has been a absolute disaster for Virginia tech all season, um, two for 13 on third down. And I want to point out a, a graphic that, that Ox VT put out. Uh, he basically put out basically every offensive statistic that you would want to look at and where Virginia tech is ranked and the three that I think are are the most jarring here are we're 30.3% on third down, which is 126th in the country. We have a 43.75 red zone touchdown percentage. So how often are you getting into the red zone and scoring touchdowns Uh, less than half of the time and ranked 122nd in the country. And we talked about it earlier. We averaged 2.3 first quarter points. It's 112th in the country. We it's the same story every week. It is you come out, you dig yourself in a hole, you kind of climb back into it, and it just is completely insurmountable. And the way that we get into these holes are just not understanding alignment, not understanding assignment, penalties, turnovers, um, you know, losing gap integrity. Um, I don't think that in any of these games, this has been a, a word that's been thrown around. You know, I'm looking at who we're playing, Old Dominion, Purdue, Rutgers, Marshall – we're not digging ourselves into holes because these other teams come out and they're supremely more talented than we are. Um, you know, yes, Rutgers has a great front seven on defense and had a good experienced offensive line. Um, Purdue's a big 10 team and they, their defensive line played really well. Um, but it, we just have to stop doing this. You cannot allow your team that struggles offensively to be playing catch up for the entirety of the second, third and fourth quarter. And that's just what we have been in basically in every single game that we have lost. So, um, so that's what I got. The refs were egregious on. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say both calls, but the phantom unnecessary roughness call on Alan Tisdale. That was really bad. At a key moment in the game, and yeah. Roddy Jones and the other guy, Phil Pot, on the call, did a good job of just completely 
uh, crushing the refs <laughs> and uh, in their awful decision making on calling a penalty there. I really like Jones. Jones is good. I'm a, I'm a I like Jones. I'm a fan. Yeah. Uh, but the the PI, I think the PI could go either way. Um, it happens at, at such a pivotal moment in the game where it's third and long, and all of a sudden, you know, they're turning that into a 98 yard drive. It's very textbook, uh, a, a classic blunder for the Hokies. But I, I, I did not think it was PI, I think the ball was too far underthrown, it was uncatchable. Um, the drops, the drops are bad, yeah. Daquan Wright and Daquan Felton had some key drops yesterday. Yeah. And I know that the Felton drop in the end zone, that ended up turning into, you know, a field goal rather than a touchdown. There's four points right there. Yeah. Maybe you get three points back in the first quarter instead of going for it on fourth and three, which was suspect as well. Not the call to go for it, but the actual uh, one read, throw it deep into triple coverage to our tight end that I, I gotta tell you and i know it's in our questions later I, I i i do not understand that um points are coming at a premium it's fourth and three you're running the ball really effectively um you're up seven nothing you can go up, you can go up 10-0 yeah i i off a turnover i really struggle to understand that um Again, it's not going for it on fourth down. It's going for it on fourth down and throwing it into triple coverage to a tight end. It, it, I can't imagine what the success rate on a on a play like that necessarily is. And again, I don't I don't know if there were other options on that play. I don't know if that was the one read that we're looking for. But I mean, that just can't it, it just can't be the call on fourth down. Um, so, uh, anything else before we move into unanswerable questions? Go for it. Um, just, just questions that I have, uh, and you mentioned it earlier. Why go away from running the football? Um, first three, first drive, you got three rushes for 64 yards. You inherit the ball on Marshall's 48. This is the drive that ended in a turnover on downs, and uh, we go pass, pass, run for two yards, and then pass, pass. Um, another question I have is why are we so vanilla defensively? Um, go back, watch this game. Go back, watch any of the previous games. It is like it is played so straight up, um, which is a a little confusing to me if it's so straight up, how we're not being more gap sound. Um, but anytime we run a game, a stunt, a twist, I'm like surprised when we do it because it's so overwhelmingly rare when that does happen. Uh, and being vanilla puts you in positions like this. Um, you had Will Johnson in a mismatch guarding a running back out in a wide receiver slot gets completely torched. I think it was a 30 or 40 yard gain. And is it, it's not really Will Johnson's fault. You're asking a linebacker to line up, you know, five yards off the sideline and play one-on-one on a running back running a go route. Um, it's just not setting yourself up for success. Um, so, you know, those are, those are probably my two biggest questions. Um, I, I also want to point out something that, is just very odd. It's just our mojo, and I'm not talking about Friday Night Lights, like our like vibe on the sideline after we score, when we get a big stop, it's um, 
I don't see excitement. I don't see elation. I see like worry about the impending doom or um, I, I'm having a hard time kind of describing it, but it just looks like our, our mojo, our sideline body language, uh, just everything around that is just very odd. Um, and I think some of that has to do with, we just look confused. Um, and I know I'm rambling here, but that's, it's, it's just an observation that I've had for these last couple of weeks that I, I don't understand. I mean, yeah. And to kind of bring that together, this team lacks leaders. Yeah. This team lacks leaders. Yeah. There's, there's not a Dax Hollifield in the middle. That's going to get everyone fired up after a big play. No. Um, and, and that goes to the sideline as well. You don't see it on the sideline. We watched we watched the Purdue team get so fired up for Enter Sandman right in front of us. And you look at the Virginia Tech sideline and, and there was there was no juice, there was nothing going on. And yeah. it's consistent. And that is a reflection on leadership on on the team personnel, but also within the coaching staff. You you need to get these guys fired up, you know? Um, and we don't see it. Uh, another question that I had, how many players on this team have you noticed have improved year over year? It's not a long list. Um, it's, it's, it's not a long list. Uh, and I know we're playing a lot of young guys and asking a lot of, a lot of young guys. I know we've had injuries, but you know, the defense is probably the thing that confuses me the most. I mean, coming into the season, we all kind of anticipated, look, we can hang our hat on the fact that our defense was underrated coming into the year and they finished very well in the S&P Plus. Um, we can kind of hang our hat on the fact that, look, we have really, really talented linebackers. We have very, very senior-laden defensive line, and we have a very talented defensive backfield. Defensive backfield has had a ton of injuries, but again – the linebacking core is so frustrating to me uh, because of how much talent there is on that unit and kind of the pedigree of the, not just the pedigree, but the sheer numbers of people who coach that position specifically. Um, it, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me. And the offensive line, another unit that, you know, we're not expecting a ton from, honestly, like we all came into the season, we knew that that was going to be a problem. Um, it just, it just hasn't, it hasn't improved at all. It's, it's the same, it's the same story, if not worse. So, yeah. Um, again, I hate, I hate doing this. I, I hate coming on here and and and, and sounding and sounding negative. And you know, we do our best job not to come on here and and be doom and gloom. Um, we, we, we love Virginia tech. We're, we're packing up the car. We're going to the Pittsburgh game next week. We're going to Tallahassee the week after that. We're rooting for this team. We love this team. We ultimately want to see them succeed, but there are real issues and problems and things that don't make a ton of sense that are happening with this team. Um, and you know, we're getting into the meat of our schedule out of conference play is over. You're jumping into conference play here. Pittsburgh's a little worse than we anticipated them being. Syracuse is way better. Florida State is an absolute bandwagon. Um, so, you know, a lot of, lot of concern here for, uh, for Virginia Tech. Too short, the answer. I think on offense, it's Stephen Gosnell year over year. Mm -hmm. you know, I don't think he had any more than 10 catches last year. 
And then on defense, I mean, you knew he was good last year, but Jalen Stroman is just a really reliable guy. Yeah, absolutely. On the defensive side of the ball. Um, and hey, there, there's plenty that we have eight more games to get more samples of, hey, who has improved year over year. But right. um, you know, I, I would say at this point in the season, we're one and three. We just lost to Marshall on the road. We just got crushed by Rutgers on the road. We lost a winnable game against Purdue at home. And that old Dominion team is bad that we did beat. Um, yeah, we are, we are not close to what the expectations were for this football team. Mm-hmm. And we would hope, unfortunately, are, are discouraged with the amount of players that don't seem to have gotten better year over year. Um, Pat's Blue Ribbon. I'm actually wearing the shirt today. Pat's Blue Ribbon of the week. I'm not giving it to the fans. I did see some orange and maroon in Huntington. And I know Logan Ross did call us out. Said, Pat, Huntington has plenty of railroads. (laughs) And someone actually tweeted at us saying how the guy who founded Huntington was like a rail baron. So my bad. I am stripping myself of any blue ribbons. <laughs> we are playing Pittsburgh next week. When we're there, we are excited to go to Benny's and Lane Stadium and get a slice and also grab a beer, a Pabst Blue beer, because PBR is the only, sorry, not PBR, Lane Stadium is the only college football stadium in this great country that serves Pabst Blue Ribbon. Paps Blue Ribbon, Pat's Blue Ribbon of the Week. Tucker Holloway is the recipient. Because not only did he have a great punt return that was unfortunately negated from a penalty, that guy got absolutely wailed on three separate times on Saturday. Held on to the football and, you know, stayed in the fight. Uh, you, you get your bell wrong like that three times, Tucker. Um, I don't know how you do it, man. But, um, you know, we're lucky we have him back there. And uh, he'll get the Pats Blue Ribbon this week for the grit of uh, getting hit that hard and, and staying in there. Look, he plays hard. And I think he's uh, I think he's been I think he's been going through some stuff with injuries uh, and is just trying to battle through. Um, so. You know, got a lot of got a lot of respect for uh, for Tucker Holloway. Moving into one big thing, I have a couple. Um, I spent a lot of time last week watching the press conference with uh, with Coach Huff, and uh, after the game, I went back and I listened to the post game with Coach Huff and the post game with the players. And my big question is like, I want you to forget about what our identity is this year. You know, who is Virginia Tech on offense? Who is Virginia Tech on defense? I want to know who we're trying to be long term. Um, and what brought me to that is listening to Coach Huff in the pregame presser. He said, we're not playing Virginia Tech on Saturday. We're not. We're playing the mar- to the Marshall standard. Um, and you saw what the Marshall standard was. It was playing good defense, establishing the run, taking care of the football. They lost turnover battle, yes. Um, but you had a very good idea of kind of what the Marshall standard was and the entire team on Marshall knew what it was. And they said it after the game, when you listen to the, you know, post game press conference for the players, it was a lot of, 
we knew exactly what Virginia Tech was going to do. I knew what my assignment was. My key was to do X and Y would happen. Um, I ask where can Virginia Tech get to a point where A, we overachieve. I don't think we have overachieved much at all in quite some time. That's going across, you know, that's not a this staff issue. That is that is something that has carried on for quite a few years. And where exactly are we winning in a scheming situation? Um, you know, you look at the games, we beat ODU because we were more talented than ODU. That is why we beat ODU. Um, you look at Purdue, you look at Rutgers, and you look at Marshall, and those are teams that schemed us up really well. They did exactly what they wanted to do. Uh, for four quarters of football. And <clears throat> we need to find out exactly what our identity is. And until we find that out, we're going to continue to look like a disjointed and confused football team. Um, so that's my big question. And then my big observation after yesterday, look, I hated going through the dialogue, the vibes, the conversation that was around our football team towards the end of 2021. It was horrible. It was, it was, it was, it was terrible. Um, and I tweeted out a picture or a whatever today. And I said, look, you can't control the outcome, but you can control the vibes. And the vibes after this football game were just terrible. And I go down like the checklist. There's like a checklist of things that when you see <laughs> these happen, you know, something is bad. And on that checklist is we should fire everyone and hire Michael Vick. You know, that's one that comes out when stuff's really bad. Not it's nothing against Michael Vick. It's just, you know, something that's thrown around after a bad football game. Uh, former players infighting amongst one another on the timeline. We saw CJ Carroll um, <laughs> got, got featured on uh, random college, college football, no context. Um, going at it with Emmanuel Belmar and Trayvon McMillan, and it was just bad. And then the cherry on the cake, the whipped cream, uh, it's the, it is in, 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 invariably the players <laughs> adding Coach Pry, adding Whit Babcock, adding everybody, and being furious about something. Um, this week it was uh, about names in the tunnel. It was just, it was just all around bad, bad, bad vibes on the, uh, on the TL. It's, you know, we're in a bad spot when <laughs> everyone is at each other's throats about everything. You know, one guy is freaking out because his name's not on the tunnel. The other guy's freaking out because there's no LED lights in the tunnel. <laughs> And it's like, guys, small potatoes. Yeah, we, small. We, have, we have to run the ball. <laughs> if we if we win the football game, guess who isn't complaining about their name not being in the tunnel? If we win the football game, guess who is not complaining about LED lights? <laughs> but when when losing happens, every minuscule thing becomes a mountain. Yeah. Uh oh my gosh. Yeah. In regards to the the tunnel situation, there are resources that are available that you could reach out to and say, Hey, Devin Wilson, or Hey, Sam Stewart, can we make sure that my name is on there? 
anything put on Twitter is going to be blown up by this fan base. And all of a sudden, you know, narratives are going to be drawn and it's just toxic behavior. And because, uh, you know, you put something out there, the fans are going to soak the fire every single time. Yeah. I mean, you have to make a decision with this kind of stuff. And um, I, I've DM'd, you know, former teammates of mine about this stuff. And usually it's about tickets or, or other stuff. And you have to make a decision when, when you're angry about something. Like, should Josh Jackson's name be associated in the locker room as being a captain? Absolutely. No question about it. 110%. I have no idea if it is or isn't. Um, should Trayvon McMillan be recognized in the tunnel? Um, because he lettered at Virginia Tech. Absolutely. No question about it whatsoever. Um, and I know both of them are not looking for a, a huge meltdown on the timeline, but if you genuinely want to have these things solved, um, the place to do it is is reaching out to somebody who can actually affect it. Um, and I do want to tip my cap to Devin Wilson for putting that message out there. Um He's been fantastic with every question that I've had regarding anything. He's gotten right back to me. Um, I know that this was a role that uh, Coach Pry was very, very um, adamant about having. I know Sam Stewart has done a phenomenal job with player engagement. So, um, you know, you just hate to see all of that stuff um, because ultimately it's the school, it's the team, and it's the program that we all love. And it's been it's it's been toxic, and it's been it's been hard to look at. I mean we need to understand where we are like where we are as a program is not based upon these four, these four games, again, a lot of season to go, but based upon what we've seen so far and the numbers that are floating around, we're not just one of the worst teams in the ACC. We are being talked about as one of the worst power five programs in college football. Um, And that kind of transitions into my inconvenient truths, but Pat, I know you had one big thing. I don't want to step on that, but uh, I'll get to that next. Yeah, and this is not an indictment on our success this year. It's just it's just information that's relevant. Um, we have been crushed by injuries this year. And the compounding injuries have really just tortured any hope for this team, whether it was, you know, early that we found out this summer, like losing Jesse Hansen. Uh, is Jesse Hansen an impact player on the line? No. Is he another body? Absolutely. Um Nick Gallo. Where is this team with Nick Gallo? Nick Gallo is one of the best run blockers on this football team. And we probably have more than 11 rushing yards against Purdue with Nick Gallo out on the field. Where is this too? Is a captain on the team? One of the guys who's been there for a long time. It's a huge loss. Where is this team with Allie Jennings? I mean, two touchdowns in the opener could have had five touchdowns in the opener without a doubt, probably the most talented football player on the Virginia Tech Hokies. Um, you know, Nasir Peoples and Jalen Lane, you know, every college football team has to deal with injuries. That is not an excuse for this staff. Injuries are a part of the game. Every team deals with them. Um, it, it definitely has impacted some of the mojo on this football team as well. Um, but hey, you have to build a roster that has depth. That's the reason the transfer portal exists right now. You need to take advantage of that. You need to get your guys in and, and make sure that they're ready to go. But um, it has not helped this football team in any way, shape, or form with so many guys banged up. 
inconvenient truths and um, coming, you know, talking. We're not just one of the worst football teams in the ACC. We're being talked about as one of the worst programs in the Power Five. And, you know, here are just a couple of numbers um, reflective of that. Uh, since Coach Fuente's departure, Virginia Tech is 5-13 and 13 overall. We have two wins over Power Five. This is a tough stat. Two wins over Power Five opponents in 13 tries. We have played Power Five opponents 13 times. We have beaten them twice. Uh, we are 3-2. and two against group of five teams. That includes a win over Wofford, a win over Liberty, and a win over Old Dominion this year, and then a loss to Old Dominion last year, and a loss to Marshall this year. Another tough stat. We have scored over 28 points two times in the last 15 games. Let me repeat that. We have, we have scored four touchdowns worth of points twice in the last 15 games. We scored 29 points against Pittsburgh, which included a block punt for a touchdown. We scored 29 points. And we scored 36 points against Old Dominion. And Old Dominion is, is horrible. Is a horrible football team. Um, stat leaders over, uh, over that time period, we have passed for over 250 yards twice. Grant Wells went for 314 against Wofford in 2022 and 251 against Old Dominion this year. And we have had one one 100-yard rusher in that time as well. And that is Keyshawn King, who had 111 yards against Old Dominion. We almost had two with Jalen Holston. He had 99 yards against Liberty in 2022. It has, I mean, just baffling, baffling, baffling uh, numbers. So, yeah. Bad? Tough? Bad. Really bad. Um, we are starting to see the consequences of of what happens when you have new faces in the building that aren't just new to Virginia Tech. They are new to this type of role and this type of position. You, you know, having a first-time head coach, hiring a first-time offensive coordinator, hiring a first-time defensive coordinator, all three of them together at once. There, there, there's no experience there. And, you know, not only are you hiring them as a first-time guy, they're getting paid a ton of money. Um, Corn had one year of FBS experience as a co-offensive coordinator. He was getting paid less than $500,000. Bowen, nothing. Jay Ham for D.C., no FBS experience. Chris Marv, no FBS experience as a DC. So our last four coordinator hires have all been guys who have combined one year of FBS experience as a co-offensive coordinator. So Billy just read all those numbers over the past two seasons. We know how awful some of the uh, some of those years at the end of the Fuente era were. We're noticing a pattern. We need to hire. We need to hire experienced people. We need to have. We, we, I mean, that's it, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. You are seeing. You reap what you sow. We, we have we have coaches who don't have experience, and we are going through all the growing pains of what that looks like. And we have eight games left. 
and we could go two and ten. We could go three and nine. We could go one and eleven. I think all three of those are, you know, possibilities right now. You don't go to Marshall and lose by a score. You don't go to Rutgers and lose by nineteen points and expect to compete in the ACC and win a few conference games, unless there are some major changes that happen uh, between now and the and the start of ACC play, which is in five days. Any comments? No. Um, you said we lack experience in the coaching staff. We lack um, winning experience from the players, obviously. Um, and it's just – it's a bad product right now, top to bottom. Bad There's product. guys that – there are guys that are hurt. There are young guys on the team. There are still guys from the Fuente team. You know, there are still guys on the team that are not – football players at the level that coach Pry and his staff want on this roster, frankly, um, need more time in the portal. I mean, you know, you should be looking at the portal the moment it opens and, and get as much volume from there as possible that are power five football players. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're going to learn a lot more over the next eight weeks. We're going to, we're going to watch and we're going to stay, uh, you know, stay, stay level here, but we're not in a great situation, as you guys know. Letters from the lunch pail. There were a lot. Um, first comes from PGH Lawyer J. How hot is Marv's seat right now? ODU had 201 yes, rushing yards against us and 15 against Texas A&M Commerce yesterday. Look, I am never going to get on here and call for another man to lose his job. Uh, I think Coach Marv... I've said it before. I think we lack experience across the coaching staff. That's been beaten to death at this point. Uh, I do think that he has a very bright future um, in coaching. I truly believe that. Um, with that said, it's it's the whole product. It's offense. It's defense. It's special teams. It's talent level. It's a combination of everything. And defense had a great uh, – when the defense has a great quarter, the offense can't move the ball. When the offense gets it going, the defense gets gashed. Um, so – you know, we said this the last two podcasts in a row. Every single game, you're saying, "Okay, who needs to get fired? Okay, who needs to stop playing? Okay, who 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 can we blame this this loss on?" At the end of the day, the loss to Marshall is not on Coach Marv. The loss to Purdue is not on Coach Bowen. The loss to whoever is not on one person. It's on the Virginia Tech Hokies. It's on the entire staff and the entire uh, group of players. Um, I do know. Again, this is not something I'm calling for. It's just reality. If Virginia Tech finishes the season with three wins or four wins, they're not going to be okay with bringing back the same coach, the same coordinators, and the same staff. It's just that's 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 unrealistic. Um, so, you know, everybody's kind of got their back up against the wall, and you know, I'm interested to see how the team responds, how the staff responds, how the fan ba- fan base responds. I mean, look, we have Pittsburgh coming to town at eight o'clock. There's, it's not being hid on, you know, the Cartoon Network or whatever, the CRN, PRN, whatever other channel there is for the ACC. It is going to be on primetime television at 8 o'clock, and Pittsburgh's coming to town with Pat Narduzzi uh, coming off of a loss last week. So uh, it, it is a huge spot for not just perception, but the future of this team this year, um, this upcoming Saturday night. So – uh, I know that I didn't really answer your question. To answer your question, how hot is Coach Marv's seat right now? I, I think there is a ton of pressure on the entire staff, top to bottom. 
uh, and rightfully so from the results that we've seen that we've seen thus far. Um, next question from Steve Bryce. Steve Bryce, appreciate you writing in every single week. I know we've had our back and forth, but um, I do appreciate the engagement. Uh, with the season hopes fading, question number one, how does Virginia Tech get enough NLI, you mean NIL money, together by December to be a real player in the transfer portal? Even mid-tier O-line and D-line will be expensive this offseason. That is the biggest thing that is difficult to get out of the portal. You look at how much of the roster Deion Sanders turned over at Colorado, and he still didn't get the offensive and defensive line right. That's why they got blown out by Oregon, because they are just really, really struggling up front. I am willing to say that Virginia Tech, from the experience that I've had outside of Virginia Tech, our efforts on the NIL front, as it pertains to Triumph, as it pertains to the Hokie way, as it pertains to what we've been able to accomplish, have been near the front of what I'm seeing at other schools. Um, We do a really good job. At the end of the day, you can get as many talented guys in there as you want. You need to have a system and development that makes it work out or you end up like Texas A&M. It is not just about getting guys into the building. It is about getting guys into the building that understand your scheme, feel comfortable executing your scheme and uh, can make an impact. So that's that's what we need to do. Um, question number two, do you replace one or two current coaches this offseason? I have no idea. I, I have to see the season play out and I have to see how it goes. I, I'll just refer to my my previous answer where if this season finishes with three or four wins, um, not me, but the entire fan base and any fan base in the country would, would be expecting some sort of change. And the last question, who wins next first, Virginia Tech or UVA? If Virginia Tech doesn't win this weekend against Pittsburgh, they're not going to win for two or three more weeks. Um UVA has Boston College and William and Mary. So those are the two most winning, winnable games on the rest of their schedule. So it's going to be UVA, I think. I mean, yeah. There's the answer, there's the answer <laughs> to your question. If, if, if UVA doesn't win, uh, I don't know, actually, because with the quarterback switch, I think that quarterback's a good player. I think he's got a really bright future. I don't know if he'll finish his career at UVA, uh, and he's got to get a helmet that fits his head, but – um kid's a good player yeah he is uh you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta look dude you gotta look i'm, I'm doing the. Interview. oh you're doing that <laughs> i should have taken my hat off for it <laughs> natty d light just wrote in and said just a thought there seems to be a stunning lack of self-awareness of how dysfunctional this team is by players and staff it almost feels like the messaging is that they are a great team catching tough breaks and not a totally uncoordinated mess on the field. I agree with you, Natty Delight. Yeah, this is this is kind of like our body language uh, topic we were covering earlier, too. I it's agree. just, you know, it's, it's like, all right, you know, there, there are some talented guys. There are some experienced guys. But I don't know if the experienced guys have that much talent, and I don't know if the talented guys – have that much experience and that's dysfunction because there's no leader again dysfunction equals no a lack of leadership and you know like after i, I think it was it might have been the bob Schick play or something else where 
something negative happened and Coach Pry's writing on the notepad again. And, you know, I, can someone ask him about the notepad? Has someone asked him about the notepad? I know I just I want to see a deal about it, but like, uh, what is it? I want to see. I, I would assume that he's writing down things that he needs to. Uh, I think he's mentioned, referenced it post game on just, you know, corrections and things that he wants to go over after the game with the team, good things or bad things. I, I just want to see some juice, man. Like, I, I want to see. Show me the guy who's in front of the room, commanding the room, getting every single guy and gal yeah. watching the press conference. I love this guy. He's so fun. Or, you know, at the monogram club stuff uh, where he's on the mic, anytime he's ever on the mic, it's great. Yeah. And you're fired up and he's yelling mm-hmm. and he's smiling. Mm-hmm. And we don't see that on the sidelines, at least yeah. what, you know, what the TV shows, we don't see that. Yeah. And, you know, maybe that only happens when, you know, we're winning football games and we haven't seen much of that. So, you know, I, I'm looking for more juice top to bottom. I think you nailed that. I, I think there is a stark difference between the team and the staff that we see on videos and practice and uh, podium than what we see on the field. Um, And again, that can be contributed to the fact that this team, quite frankly, doesn't know how to win. Literally, this team does not. We just went over the we just went over their record over the past two or three years. It's brutal. Um, And I feel for those kids because they play hard every single week. Again, there's no I say it every week. There's no quit in this team, but. They're not able to get over the hump. They're not able to get over the hill. Um, and another unanswerable question I have is how many more times can they do that? How many more times can you roll the football out there, get yourself in a hole and battle back? And, you know, the, the levy just doesn't break and it's out of control. I completely agree with you. It, it does just look uncoordinated. Um, Andrew Wilson. <laughs> um <laughs> Does the this is home and family atmosphere contribute to the lack of competitiveness in our program? Are players or staff too comfortable? Staff, if not by now, when should fans expect to see progress? Hanging up, I'll listen to the answer. Andrew, I, I deeply appreciate the question. I, I really do. I, I, I love engagement, love the question. Um, you know, I think back to the University of Hawaii. I think it was in 2008. And uh, they're just beating up on everybody. And uh, the name of their team is literally the Rainbow Warriors. Um, so, you know, I don't I don't think that I don't think that the this is home or family atmosphere uh, affects our ability to to be a tough team. Um, I certainly love that this is home reference. I think it's true. Um, this just needs to be the home of winning. Um, so maybe we, we say this is home of wins. Um, so I, I don't think that that is, uh, that that is it. Uh, when should fans expect to see some progress? I'm hoping next week. I, I got to tell you, I have no other answer than that. I, we, I, I have to see something different um, than the same movie that we put on with different actors on the other team. Can we play a team that stubs its toe too? Like That'd be nice. Can we, I, I know like UVA does this every year when they play us, but mm. you know, other than that last Saturday in November, I, I would love to see just something silly happen where, where it turns into six points from our, our team. 
Well, they know. did snap the ball. They did snap the ball over the long snapper's head in the first quarter of the Old Dominion game. But Is yeah, we've it? played a bunch of teams that are really. I think every team that we've played is well coached um, and they've outcoached us and we've lost all of those games. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping to see progress next week. Um, Pete McGee. What a loaded question. What is the one position group that if improved makes the biggest difference? Is it realistic to expect that group to make an Im improvement before the end of the year or start of 2024? Um, I'm going to combine two units and it's, it's the big guys. It's, it's the defensive line and it's the offensive line. Uh, I am more confident that the defensive line will, will get better at the end of the season because, quite frankly, they don't really have much of an option. Uh, and there's a lot more seniority over there. Um, I think when we were talking about leaders, Josh Fuga seems to be the most vocal person on the entire team. I think the Feldarius pain change makes a big difference. Uh, I think, you know, if he continues to get better and continues to make plays, he'll – be an impact player for us. And I think it quite frankly has the most talent out of those two units. Um, they come I, at a premium. They come at a premium in the portal. They certainly do. The I mean, I, I could give you several different answers for this one. I, I think the tight end unit has, has had problems this year. Uh, I think that the, we talked about the linebacker unit already. We've talked about the wide receiver unit who I know again is really, really thin. I get it, but there have been so many drops and you just can't have that with a quarterback who, I don't want to – you know what? I'm done with the narrative that Kyron Drone struggles to throw the ball because, it, again, it's not Quincy Patterson out there. It's not. And that's not a dig on Quincy Patterson. Quincy Patterson's a good player. Um, but Kyron Drones has the ability to throw the football. Um, so I, I don't want to put that label on him anymore. Um, I think it's unfair. Um, but when we as an offense struggle to protect the quarterback and get the ball to receivers, if it's – Hitting you in the chest and hitting you in the hands. You got to catch the ball. Period. End of story. SGA season. I have alumni friends now refusing to watch the games, and all of them are selling their tickets. They say, waste of time, energy, money, when we know the unwatchable product and result. Yeah, I don't know what i can sell here <laughs> i am nothing really... i nothing i say right now is going to be anything different than what i've said before on why i like going to to football games at tech but um they sell beer in the stadium you know they sell pbr in the stadium and bennies in the stadium so i'll cool. tell you what what's definitely not going to help this team is 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 being dejected and I'm not even calling people out because I completely understand having this mindset. I, I, I completely understand having this mindset um, with the results that we've seen. Um, I'm really interested to see what Lane Stadium looks like and sounds like this upcoming Saturday. Uh, it's been a sellout for weeks. We're both going to be there. Um, and it's a it's a big moment for Virginia tech. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, I don't have anything else. I, I I'd be lying to you if I didn't say that I had friends that felt the exact same way and are doing the exact same things. And I, 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 I don't have anything to tell them. I don't. Um, but I know that I'm going to keep showing up. So, and that's not even me holding that over your head. It's just a decision that I've decided to make with my time. So, I mean, you know, for better or for worse, that's what I'm going to do. 
Um, Pat, any closing thoughts? I'll, I'll just say like, look, this sucks. Like, like nobody, nobody likes doing this. Um, I, I love that, that folks tune in and listen to what we have to say about Virginia tech. I love hearing, uh, you know, I, I love that our fan base cares so much and is so passionate, um, about our team, about our program, about our kids and about the place that we all love the place that is home. Um, but it is, uh, it's tough sledding, man. It, it is tough 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 sledding um i guess i'll recycle a quote that that i used last uh two years ago is um look hate the result don't hate the person i i that's the one thing that i can't stand when we go through stuff like this is um is taking results of games and making personal attacks on people whether it be players staff personnel um administration anything like that but look people are angry people care a lot um, and I'm glad that we, I'll take a fan base that cares a lot over a fan base that doesn't give a damn and won't show up and won't, uh, you know, we'll just accept mediocrity or below mediocrity or horribleness. So I don't know if I said anything of any substance there, but that's kind of all I can think about. Yeah. Um, it's a night game. Homecoming. Wear white. The following. Wear white. Big white effect guy. Homecoming is the following. Are we going to be wearing the same polo again, me and you? Is it going to be the second? Is it going to be the Pat and Billy Ray effect and the rowback, uh, the rowback polos? I don't know. We might need to change that up. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what I'm wearing. I'm wearing that. So if you want to wear it, we can match. If not, that's what I'm wearing. How good is Syracuse? How good is Syracuse? How good is Wake Forest? How I'll tell you what, Virginia Louisville. Tech is undefeated Louisville. in the ACC right now. Louisville is 4-0. Did you hear what I said? I, yeah, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we bought our <laughs> basketball tickets for the women's. That's going to be awesome. I'm fired up for some round ball. I'll tell you that much. Okay. Mm-hmm. We, have, we have some special stuff coming with basketball. We'll say that. I mean, to answer your question, how good is Syracuse? They're four and zero. How good is Wake Forest? They're three and one. I mean, talk about how lucky Virginia Tech got not having to play Duke, North Carolina, Miami. Uh, the answer is really lucky. Um, but we do play the two best teams, quote unquote, in the ACC because of their ACC records. But look, Louisville puts up a ton of points. They have a great offense. Uh, Florida State is Florida State. Uh, NC State, up and down. Uh, Brennan Armstrong, I've been kind of surprised with how much he's struggled this year, uh, given that he is his old offensive coordinator. I mean, I guess we can do this. Like, it was kind of, you know, <laughs> um, things, that, things that I enjoyed. Um, you know, this was kind of the first week that I got to really enjoy watching uh, college football as a whole. Um, this past weekend had the opportunity to sit down and watch a lot of good football games. Um, you know, a couple of observations. I talked a little bit about overachieving. You saw Arizona state overachieve against USC. They scored 28 points, lost 28 to 42 Florida state, uh, beat Clemson at Clemson for the first time in a very long time. Rutgers was hanging with Michigan for a while, which is a little surprising. Were they? Yeah, they were. I mean, it was seven, it was seven, nothing like until halftime. They okay. definitely played. No, it we, all, we all, we all, we all chalked up 
Rutgers to get absolutely smashed by Michigan. Um, I, yeah, thought they they than, I thought they played better than expected. Um, Oregon, Colorado. I'll leave you with this. Oregon, because you're not here to talk about other teams, but I'll leave you with this. Oregon, Colorado. I hated the way that the media handled that. It seemed like every question that they asked Dan Lanning leading up to the game was to get him to say something to Deion Sanders. It seemed like after the game, every single conversation was centered around, you know, these two coaches hate each other. Here's what so-and-so said. Here's what so-and-so said. Both coaches' jobs are to motivate their specific teams. Both coaches' jobs are to coach their specific teams. I think both of them, given their situations and given what they've walked into, have done a phenomenal job. And at the end of the day, Colorado is a team who was picked to win three games this year. They're overachieving. And Oregon is a team who has one of the best quarterbacks in college football and is a college football playoff hopeful and probably one of the better teams in the country. Uh, They went in and they handled business against Colorado. I don't think it's an indictment on either coach. Um, So that was one thing that pissed me off this weekend. Penn State crushed Iowa. They did. They did. They did. Was it like 37-0 or something? It was uh, Iowa scored zero points. I know that. It was like, yeah. Tough, tough scene. Uh, you know who looks really good is Washington. I, I have another who looks really good. Dude, Duke, I am all in on Duke. Dude, Duke, <laughs> Duke is legit. Like, Duke is the real deal, man. I mean, to go in and handle business against UConn, they won 41-7. to um, they have college game day coming into town next week, which is cool. I mean, look, those are the things that you root for in college football. That's what makes college football great. Um, so I think they play Notre Dame next week at home. So they, they have Notre Dame at home. Talk about yeah, a heartbreaker. Brian, yeah, yeah. Brian was at that game and, uh, he said it was the most, I think, dejected he's ever felt after a sporting event. I mean, how could you not? Right. No, that is, you know, every time Virginia Tech loses a game in heartbreaking fashion, you think you're the only team that has that. Well, if you had Notre Dame uh, plus three, that was pretty, pretty devastating way to lose out on that. And can't imagine being a full time Notre Dame fan. Um, I mean, I would much rather have had that than had it plus two and a half, though. That's true. I was, I was happy to push. Um, one last thing I want to say. Uh, kind of an under un, unrealized storyline is it's been floated around that Pat Narduzzi is very much in the running for the Michigan State job after the absolute disaster firestorm that is going on for Michigan State and East Lansing. Um, so that's just something to keep your eye on. I think that would be a phenomenal hire for Michigan State. I have said it before. A lot of people don't like Pat Narduzzi. You don't like him because he's not on your team is why you don't like Pat Narduzzi. That's just that's just the fact. That's just what it is, and that's okay. Um, but I think he would be an excellent fit in, uh, in East Lansing, and I would like to get him out of the ACC because, quite frankly, um, he's a great ball coach and um, it has been at the helm for some of my least favorite um, hokey result games uh, of, of, recent, of recent memory. Sharky shoutouts kickoff on College Avenue taking place on Friday in downtown Blacksburg. This Friday before the Pittsburgh game, September 29th from 5 to 9 p.m. College Avenue, hokey students, families, alumni, and fans are invited to see special guests, inflatables, live music and performances and lawn games and more. That's from the downtown, uh, the Blacksburg partnership. So head on down there. If you're going to be in town. 
Uh, I want to shout out Oscar Bradburn and uh, Jenna Porth, who got engaged today. Shot Oscar a uh, a FaceTime he was enjoying. He called it the Napa Valley of Australia. He's out in the Napa Valley of Australia. Looks <laughs> looks sick. I mean, we we were, we're talking like fog rolling in, rose petals on the ground. Honestly, quite surprised that he picked up the phone because I I certainly would not. Um, but uh, really, really happy for both of them. Um, Great people and uh, sons of holy matrimony, sons of she said yes. Super happy for both of you. Make sure your wedding is not scheduled between the months of August and November. And uh, you will get all of the support from us. (laughs) That does it. 1036 Eastern time on Sunday, September 24th. Is there any football left? Yeah, we got about a quarter left of Pittsburgh and Las Vegas. Man, that was tough. I really, I really, really don't want to get on here and do this again next week. I, I would really love a Virginia Tech win at home at night. ESPN's running a, a, a an ad for us um, for the Terror Dome. Um, yeah, that's an AT and T ad. Yeah. So um, if we could take a page out of AT and T's book and raise the bar, this is a great weekend to do so. I will leave you with that. Pat Finn, Billy Ray Mitchell, Sons of Saturday. Check us out on YouTube, on sonsofsaturday.com, Sons of Sat on Twitter and Instagram. Great stuff coming out all week. We had the Justin Cates cheers and jeers, Mike Holmes with his write-up, and everybody else holding it down. We got Prokies from Nels coming on later this week. Shout-out to Sam Jesse for coordinating all of that. And then Monday football will probably have already happened when you've listened to this, but make sure you don't miss it anymore, where Pete B jumps on Monday morning to talk college ball. And as always, go Hokies, go sports, go friendship. Enjoy the games. (laughs) Enjoy the games. And we'll see you guys in Blacksburg on Saturday. To wander, tripping in the sand. We smoke out windows, drink till we can't stand. But I saw you dance like you want to in my head. And all that she said is, Oh, I know just what you're thinking. Please don't go to slice and trash my friend's place. Wake up the next day. Place is our place.